I went to a, uh, a taping of Benson. Do you remember that show? Benson back in the day? Yeah, I went to a, one of those live tapings, and I watched the episode when it came on live. Uh, I never watched Benson again. I hadn't watched it before, and uh, last year, Nickelodeon gave us a nice Benson night, apparently, uh, there, and I, I watched for a little bit, and guess what episode showed when I turned on the TV? It was that episode that I went to the taping. I was like, is this the only episode of Benson that they've only taped, ever taped, and the only one they ever show uh, was this episode, apparently. You know, it's like that sometimes when people pop into the church and they hear a message on giving, generosity, tithing. They're like, well, didn't I just hear that before? Didn't, wasn't that just, is this the only thing we ever talk about around here? Uh, I would tell you, no, of course, that's not the case. But I would tell you how central this topic is that we're going to be talking about this morning. Uh, We're talking about the forgotten way. That's a series that we've been working through. And really what we've been saying is there are these ways that even, even as us as Christians in our day and age, we have forgotten what Jesus called us to be and what uh, Jesus called us to do. And we've been walking through these ways. A few weeks back, we talked about this issue of, of the Sabbath. And often for us as contemporary Christians, we've kind of thrown the Sabbath out the window altogether. Not Jesus. He doesn't throw that out the window. It's an important day for him because God designed us to rest. And we need to find rest. We talked about, uh, as well, we talked about enemy love a couple weeks ago, where we talked about that Jesus actually called us to love our enemies and to pray for those who persecute us. You know, radical different approach that Jesus have than what we would currently have. And so this morning, uh, we're going to talk about this road to generosity and what does it look like and what did Jesus have to say? What does the Bible have to say about it? And how for many of us, it, it might have become the forgotten way as well. A couple of years ago, a homeless man uh, in Detroit found $21,000 worth of U.S. savings bonds. $21,000 he found in the trash. He was just simply looking for something to eat, and he found these, these savings bonds. And even though he had nothing to his name, he immediately decided he was going to turn this over. And so he walked into the 24-hour you know, walk-in homeless shelter, and he turned it in, $21,000. The staffer there made some contacts and some phone calls and eventually tracked down the, the family owner, the, the family that ha, had owned this. The owner was actually deceased. And according to this Associated Press article, the 59-year-old homeless man was given $100 from the son of the deceased bond owner for finding $21,000. When this story hit the uh, Detroit area, when it came out in the newspaper, the Detroit residents, really people from all over America, decided that just was not enough of a reward for this here. And so three people came together, and they gave him $2,500. A man from Albuquerque, New Mexico, gave him 1000 straight up. And two men from Troy, Michigan, they put their money together, gave him 1200 and they gave him a job. And that was a different generosity. Why? Generosity is always contagious. It's always contagious. When we give or when we're recipients of somebody giving, we find that we're motivated to give as well. Biblically, this, we find this happens as well. But unfortunately for us, it's often the forgotten way. We forget that this is God's design and he's, he's designed us this way to be contagious givers. But not to God's word and not to Jesus as we're going to find this morning. And remember, really, the ultimate generosity that we find is that God gave that God gave. Anything we know about Jesus Christ, anything we know about our relationship and our connection starts with the fact that God gave. And so we remember that it started with him. This morning, we're going to be talking about this forgotten way of giving. And, and every time we talk about giving, I mean, people's reactions are a little bit different. You know, we go from the, the music of, you know, joyful, happy, excited to, oh, 
Okay, you know, is the lights going to be low enough? I could sneak out of here, maybe. Um, but listen carefully this morning. If I was going to tell you this morning that I'm going to take all your money before you leave, <laughs> you should make your way to the door. You have a right to be upset. Those of you with um, you know concealed carry licenses, you know your hand going right here. I get it. I would understand that this morning, and you'd be right. You'd be right. But if I was to tell you that I'm going to help you grow spiritually this morning. If I told you I'm going to help you achieve biblical financial freedom and to receive the blessing of God, wouldn't you be pumped to receive those type of things this morning if that's what God had to offer you today? Yeah, that's what we're looking at. So so just act like that's going to happen, okay? (laughs) As we're looking at tithing, as we're jumping into generosity, just look at me with great joy and great anticipation and trust that God's going to provide the things we just talked about. Why should we be generous? Really, several reasons to start off this morning. Number one, God created us to be givers, not keepers. Do you know that? His word's filled with passages that would describe this principle. Also, because when we're generous, we're most like God, because God's generous and God gave. Also, because God wants us to impact the world through us. Can you imagine what the impact would be to this city or to this triad if every person who calls Windover Hills their home, every single one of us, if we would begin to model generosity, the impact that we could have on our our city and on this triad if we were to practice this, we'd be able to help single parents get back on their feet. We'd be able to fully fund missionaries and mission trips all over the world. We could fund and grow programs designed specifically to reach and to grow the spiritual lives of kids and teens. There wouldn't be really any limit to the impact we could have for the kingdom of Jesus Christ if we all began to live and to give generously. So the question we have this morning is how do we demonstrate generosity? That's what we're going to talk about. I realize as I, I was talking through that that some of you don't have the, the sermon notes this morning and, and Richard is, was standing back there waiting to, to give them. So if you don't have the sermon notes, just slip up your hand and he'll make his way around and give you a copy of those. Those will be important to continue on uh, this morning. So if you have that, just slip up your hand and, and he'll get them to you. So the question, how do we demonstrate generosity? How do we model this generosity. Well, first of all, we've got to remember this. This is an important principle. Generosity begins where obedience ends. Did you hear that? Generosity begins where obedience ends. We've got to understand the difference between obedience and generosity. And to understand that difference, we've got to look back in, in Scripture. Look at the Old Testament in Malachi chapter 3 where, it, where we see this, this differentiation between the tithe, this word tithe that means 10%. And the offerings in generosity. Here's what the Bible says. Will you rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, well, wait a minute, God. How do we rob you? And he says, you rob me in tithes and offerings. In other words, when we don't give to God, the Bible's saying we're literally robbing him who gave us everything. You're under a curse, he says, the whole nation of you because you're robbing me. You see, in this passage, what we see is tithing is not an act of generosity here. Tithing is an act of obedience. God calls us to do it, and so we do it. You see, tithing, giving 10%, it's not, a, it's not an offering biblically. And giving an offering, we need to understand this, is not tithing. Tithing is giving 10% of our income back to God in obedience. And offerings are over and above that 10%. It's the 90% that God gives us to, to live on how we want. That's where the offerings come from. But the tithe is that 10%. Listen to this from a practical and a biblical standpoint. 
we can't call anything we give to God an offering until we first give in a tithe, the 10%, because God's called us in obedience to give the tithe. Now, you may say, well, wait a second, Pastor here. Isn't tithing an Old Testament thing, right? Well, you'd be right. It is an Old Testament thing. It shows up several times in the Old Testament, but it's also a New Testament thing. It's a whole Bible teaching. Matthew 23, Jesus says this, Woe to you, teachers of the law and the Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth, there's the tithe, of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin. But you have neglected the more important matters of the law, like justice, mercy, and faithfulness. Now, notice what he says. You should have practiced the latter, meaning you should have been people of justice, mercy, and faithfulness, without neglecting the former, which was the giving of the tithe not an either-or thing for Jesus. In fact, Jesus talks about tithing in Luke chapter 11 and Luke 18, Hebrews 7 and Matthew 21. It's all throughout the Bible, all throughout God's word. The point is this, tithing is not the ceiling of what we give. Tithing's the beginning point of what we give. It's the beginning point of generosity. It's the floor where we start to trust and obey and receive the blessing of God. So that's what we're looking at uh, So what is tithing anyway? If you have your your outline, let's walk through some of this. First of all, let's look at this. Tithing is proportionate giving. That's what it is. It makes sense to us. It represents the most equal way for all of us in the body of Jesus Christ in our stewardship responsibility. See, we all have a stewardship responsibility according to God's word. And tithing sets it up as, as proportionate giving. You see, tithing, it's the great equalizer of giving. Because whether you make 200000 or you make 20000 tithing, giving the 10%, we're sacrificing and we're obeying the same. Our gift may not be the same as far as the amount, but our obedience is the same. And that's really what God is concerned about when it comes to tithe, not the amount. Second, tithing is priority giving. Did you know that? It's priority giving. The Bible says this, honor the Lord with your wealth, with your first fruits. Now, that's a key phrase there. That's the priority. It has to come first. The first fruits of your crops, then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will be brim, will brim over with new wine. Tithing is this spiritual system for putting God first. That's what it is putting God first, making him a priority. Now, if you look at your sermon notes today, you'll see a list that's on there. It's on the screen as well for you. The question is, how would you prioritize the following? If you looked at that list this morning, and I said, take the next 30 minutes right now and really prioritize this list. Now, don't do it up the way you think I want you to to do it up this morning. You're not going to be turning this in. The floor is not going to drop out from underneath you and you, you go off to somewhere. Don't worry about that. Just do it how you currently spend your money. Make sense? So just prioritize. Now, most of you, you can look at that list and immediately, boom, you know. It's prioritized. You know what's going on. Some of you, you might want to ponder and think, what really? But as, you're, as I'm talking, you can do that. You see, most of us have maintaining our lifestyle as our top priority. And because we maintain our lifestyle, often it causes us to spend more than we make. So debt repayment becomes our second priority or major priority. Taxes is a big priority. We have to do that, right? The fourth tends to be savings. If we're fortunate enough that month to have something to put into savings, which means often it leaves tithing to the Lord as the fifth at best priority. Now ask yourself, how many times does the fifth priority get paid? 
Not, not often in our, in our lives. So let me suggest this morning a more biblical approach that we turn this upside down or we start from the bottom up. You see, if we're not careful, we live with upside down priorities and it results in all kinds of financial and even spiritual problems that in this economic downturn, it's come back to cause us real problems. For many of us and for many of you, you've experienced, you know exactly what I'm talking about in this area. Is it any wonder that our lives can be so out of balance and constantly stressed out when it comes to these priorities. Now, here it is. If you want to be serious about growing as a Christian, if you want to get out of serious financial problems, God's plan is simple. The best thing you can do is to make tithing the first priority of your financial plan, to make God the first priority. Now, how do we do that? Well, let me, let me tell you for a second how my wife and I did that. Now, we've always been tithing and giving uh, in our marriage, but at some point in time, there was a faith change in that. At some point in time, we began to start to separate the tithe before we ever looked at the bills. Because I knew if I looked at the bills or I looked at the things that I wanted, it was a little bit tougher to tithe. It was more of a challenge. We got to the point where we said we want to we want to look at our ties, separate that out before we ever even consider the bills. We just decided that some way we were going to figure out how to live on the ninety percent. And those were not the last couple years. I'm talking about back when it was the tough, tough, lean years. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about when I say tough, lean years. But that's what we did. We decided to do: figure out how to live on the ninety percent but pay our tithe before we looked at those things. Now, over the past several years, and, 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 or a few years, we took advantage of some of the automatic check writing as well, where our bank you know, would write the check and send it in and do that type of thing uh, for us. Because we found that though obedience wasn't necessarily the issue, and maybe it's not for you, but forgetfulness was at times, forgetting the checkbook, or, or we were out of town for a while, or, or whatever the case might have been, and we just decided that uh, we didn't want that to be an excuse. Isn't it interesting sometimes how we, we, we kind of lose track sometimes. We're out of town or we forget the checkbook for, uh, for several weeks and we, we think, well, we don't need to catch up on my tie. We'll just pick it up from where we go once we get ourselves back into church. And God said, not exactly a tithe. We made, Sheree and I, an upfront decision, a spiritual decision, that whether it was tight that month or not, that whether we were in town or not, whether we remembered the checkbook or not, had cash, cash or not, that every time we got paid, that we would be obedient to the tithe to the Lord, that our first fruits would go to the church. And so we made that commitment. And it changed in our marriage. Even though we were giving, it changed. It changed our trust in God. It changed our connection with God. It changed our path of spiritual growth when we made that commitment and that decision. See, God's plan for financial freedom, it's this. It's that we would tithe our 10%, that we would be generous and we would save with an amount, and then we would do whatever we wanted with the rest. That's what he said. Did you know this? And listen to this phrase. It really takes no faith to give God leftovers. Do you know that? takes no faith. If we say, God, I trust you, then we take care of all of our own bills and finances and things that we desire or that we want. And then whatever's left, we think about what we might give to God. There's no faith involved in that at all. There's really no trust in God involved in that at all. Tithing is priority giving. It's a decision. God, I will put you first in my finances and in my life. Now, the truth is, 
most Christians struggle with this. The truth is, for some reason or another, most of us as Christians, we just have a hard time putting this teaching of God's word into practice in our life. It's probably the thing in scripture that we find most easy to find some justification route on why God's really not teaching on the tithe. And we struggle with it as, as Christians. Do you ever get frustrated knowing how much to tip for services? You ever, you ever get frustrated in that or not knowing? Like at the airport, I'm, I'm kind of a nervous wreck. I don't know what to tip. You know, do you tip your shuttle driver when, you, when you're riding in? I, I don't know. Or, and if I do, what do I tip a shuttle driver? Or the, the guy at the curb, I think, at the guy at the curb, I mean, he's, they, they're now doing about the same thing they do inside, right? It's all automated. They got the computer. They're not carrying anything. Do we tip that guy still? Or, you know, are we still, I don't know. I'm a, I'm a mess when it comes to, I do know the guy that waves the electric wand over you when you're going through security, not the guy to tip. You don't, you don't tip that guy. So that, that involves all kind of security issues and uh, involves you in a room being talked to. Uh, so don't, don't tip that guy. I know when somebody doesn't give us good service and expects a tip, we don't like that, do we? <laughs> we don't like that one bit. In fact, many of us, we already have a system in place on how we work on this. You know? Have you ever heard about the person who puts like, the cash and dollars and single dollars on the edge of the table and just kind of pulls as the service is bad and there goes one dollar, two dollars, another. Yeah, we don't... We don't like to tip when the service isn't good. This week I looked at some tipping etiquettes. You'll find these interesting. Here's what I found. Limo or taxi driver. You should give them 15% of the total bill, right? Charter pilot, for all of us out chartering planes on a regular basis. <laughs> nothing. That, get, that person, they get nothing. Oh, personal shopper. <laughs> I don't even know what that is. But uh, <laughs> personal shopper, um, that's, I thought that was when I personally go shop. Um, but nobody's tipped me, so it must not be. 15, or 10% of the total. Tour guide, 10 to 15% of the, of the tour price. Food services, 15 to 20% of the food. Uh, that means at Rio Grande today. So uh, hairstylist, 10 to 20%. Hair extensions, 10 to 20%. Laser hair removal, nothing. Nothing. So you can get put on, you're not getting it taken off. Or, well, you can get it taken off. Well, actually, you can get it taken off and you don't have to t- That may be the route to go. May be the route. So Rich Brendel. So this is, this is, man, I didn't know you were in here, Rich. So apologize, apologize. Car detailing, 15%. Clowns at the kids' party, 15%. Pet groomer, 10 to 15%. Pet sitters are 15%. Tree removal, lawn service, nothing. So if they take care of your house, nothing. They take care of your pet, 10 to 15%. So, yeah. I got two observations for, for all of us. The first is, who decides all this stuff? And who writes this up and sits around and figures this out? Somebody, it seems like that. Who writes the book on where you're supposed to give nothing here, 10% here, 20% here, and figures all this out? Who determines it? Here's the second observation I have, and isn't it interesting? Why do we give 10% above the service given to everyone who serves us, and yet we don't think anything about it? But we often sit here and we struggle week after week to give 10% to the one who's given us everything. He's given us everything, including eternal life. A struggle. It's hard for us. If we say Jesus is Lord and we love him, it's, it's really time for, uh, for those of us who call him Lord and Savior to really put the priorities in line with God's word. And on this week, when we're talking about this issue of the forgotten way, it would be our tithing, which even leads to generosity we'll talk about in a a moment. The place to start is tithing. 
And tithing represents that, that 10% represents priority giving. But you know, also tithing is purposeful giving. It's purposeful giving. It's not designed to sit in a bank account and get anyone rich. It's purposeful giving. Generous giving is God's design for the church to accomplish its mission. That's what tithing is all about. That's what giving is all about, to accomplish our mission. What was the mission of the church? Do you remember the Great Commission in Scripture? In Matthew 28, it says, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. You know, our mission here at Windover Hills is that we exist to help one more person find their way back to God. And our giving makes that mission possible. Tithing, it's purposeful giving. Every time we celebrate someone coming to know Jesus Christ as their Savior, every time that we're involved in somebody surrendering some aspect of their life or growing in their Christian life, or every time we hear about somebody out ministering or sharing the word or You know, we're also celebrating those of you who tithe and give regularly. We're celebrating that because it takes the tithes and the offerings to make the mission happen. It's purposeful giving. You see, generous giving brings blessing. It does. Often we think of the blessing just in terms of our own life, but but that's not what God's word is simply saying. It blesses us and it blesses anyone that we're called to reach out to. Generous giving brings blessing. There's something special about tithing and generous giving. Mary Kaplan once wrote this, tithing is when we get under the spout where all of God's blessings pour out. There's only one place in the Bible, maybe you know this, only one place in the Bible where God says, I will throw open the floodgates of heaven and bless you so much. Only one place. Malachi chapter 3 verse 10, he says this, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. This is the storehouse of the temple, you know, later the synagogue, and today the local church that, that you're a part of, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this. Now, look at that word, test me. It's important to see. This is the only time in the Bible God says, test me. Only time. It's in giving, because he knew that that would be the most difficult area for us to trust him in. Test me, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have enough room for it. Where is it that God opens up blessing and where God opens up floodgates here? Is it, is it in prayer? No. Is it in Bible reading? No. Is it in taking care of widows? No. Is it in worship? No. All those things are important and, and, and vital to our growth and the discipline of our faith. But this passage is telling us the one thing that opens up the floodgate of God's blessing is our tithings and offerings. It's our tithings and offerings open up that floodgate and where it would accomplish the mission. Is it any wonder then that the devil does everything he can, everything he can to d- discourage us, to distract us, to get us frustrated, to get us angry when it comes to tithes and it comes to offerings? It's no wonder the devil uses that. Dave Ramsey once wrote this, if all the Christians tithed in America, there would be no more welfare. In 90 days, there'd be no more existing church or hospital debt. In the next 90 days, the entire world would be evangelized. There would be prayer in schools because the Christians would buy all the schools. (laughs) Generosity begins where tithing ends. Generosity begins where obedience ends. That's the point this morning, a forgotten way that we've forgotten often in the church on how central and significant the biblical teaching of the tithe is and how impactful the tithe is on our own life 
and on the mission of the church. Generosity begins where tithing ends. That's where we pick up generosity. That's where we start to become really generous above our tithe, where we start to give in the area where God said, look, the 90% do what you want with, but be generous, be generous. Think about it. If God was asking us to be generous with the 10% that he's already told us to give, that wouldn't exactly be generosity, now would it? And the Bible says that, look, tithing brings blessing. Generosity brings even more blessing. Generosity starts the cycle of continuous blessing. As long as we're generous, that's what the Bible's saying, that blessing will never stop. The Bible puts it this way, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. There's priority living, including what we're talking about this morning in the tithe. And all of these things will be given to you as well. If you have your Bibles this morning, this is one you might want to put your eyes on direct. It's found in, in 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 11. Now it'll be on the screen, but it uh, might be a good one underlining in the word in your hands as well. This is a great passage. It talks about the truth and the blessings that come from generosity. It says this, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now, what does that mean? It means that God desires for us to find the joy in being generous. That's what, that's what he wants us to do, is find joy, to, to get on board with his mission and his call and what he's about, and in that we find joy. He doesn't want it to just be robotic. He wants us to find his peace and joy in that. But don't, but don't mistake this passage as saying that if you're not a joyful giver, well, then you should never give, and God's just going to be well-pleased with, with you or in the situation. In fact, this, this passage if, is often taken to refer to the tithe, but that's not what Paul was out collecting. Paul was out collecting a special fund here, special fund for widows, this would have fell into the offering category. This would have fell into that category where biblically they were called to give generously out of the 90%. And so it makes sense that Paul would say, give whatever you've decided in your heart to give. God wants us to be generous. And it says, and God's able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need. Those are pretty good things, folks. You will abound in every good work. He goes on to say in verse 10, Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Now check this part out. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This morning, as we finish up, I have an application question I I felt significant to leave you with this morning. The question is, what what do I need to do to demonstrate biblical generosity? That may be the question this morning that you need to to put uh, just tangibly on your lips to ask the question, what do I need to do to demonstrate biblical generosity? You know, today, based on God's word and God's teaching, today you can make a simple decision. You know, what I recognize, it might be incredibly tough to implement into your life. I started tithing when I was in, when I was 14 years old, I was in eighth grade. I want to tell you why I started tithing. I might have told you this before, but I'll tell you anyway. I started tithing because there was a girl I really liked. Her name was Kelly. And I thought, well, if I start tithing, she will probably say yes to me asking her out. Um, so I did. I started giving to the church. I was working at Burger King flipping burgers, and I started giving, and Kelly never said yes. Um, now, I had a hard time mustering up any question to ask her out, but, um, but word came through the grapevine from the friends. Remember that route? That there would be no yes coming from her. 
I don't know if I made the connection, but for years, I wasn't tithing after that. For years. I was youth pastoring for a number of years, and I wasn't tithing. I was part of God's church, working towards ordination in the Westland Church, and I, I wasn't tithing. I recognize this morning that it's a simple decision that can be tough to implement in your life. It was tough for me, but there was a, a dramatic change in my heart when I finally did. Here's the decision this morning, and I decided to put it on the screen so that you, you had a clear, tangible way to read it out and put it in your heart. It says this, Recognizing that God owns everything, I choose to obey God and put him first in all areas of my life, including my finances, in the form of my tithe and offerings, because I believe that he will more than meet my needs. Now, some of you, you've already read, made that commitment in your heart this morning. You didn't need to see that prayer. Just, God had already been working on you in this area, and then to walk in and have the topic on giving, generosity, and tithing, you're like, okay, I got it, God. You're saying something here. I understand. And you made that commitment. For others of you, I mean, this is an incredible opportunity to jump out and trust God this morning, to jump out and to trust in an incredible, real way this morning. Some of you, though, you've been, you've been meeting your tithe. You've been, you've been giving and obedient in that area. But you know, God, this morning, God called you in a different area. It was in the area of the generosity, in the 90% range. He, he says, you know, I've called you to be generous, to understand that tithing is not the ceiling. Tithing's the floor. It's the starting point of our giving. And maybe the Lord has put on your heart to be generous in some area, or to increase your tithe, or to impact somebody's life with, with your finances. In a moment, I want to lead you in a prayer where, uh, really, I believe a new depth of trust in God can really be yours this morning. But I want you to say this first. Our goal of this teaching is not to increase the morning offering for July 22nd, 2012. Not a goal. Not really even our consideration this morning. Rather, it's to increase the level of trust that the people of Windover Hills Church have in God with our finances and to demonstrate a level of obedience and generosity that I believe will open the floodgates of heaven and will pour out blessing on us here at Windover and to others that we're reaching out. And it will help us accomplish his mission here in our city and in our triad. I strongly believe that. Our goal is for us to do our part, every single one of us, to do our part in this proportionate giving to fund the mission of reaching people for Jesus Christ and to building them up in the faith. That's why we tithe. That's why we give. And that's what we all are able to be a part of this morning. And so we can do this. I, I really believe this. And the mission here at Wendover Hills can grow. And every time we celebrate a testimony or talk about somebody new coming to the faith or, or engage in baptisms, you also be celebrating what we're talking about this morning. So Read that prayer again on the screen if you need. And let me, let me lead you into it. As we pray, if you haven't had time to read it all, it's okay to open your eyes and peek at the screen. And you can read it. You can pray it in your heart as we pray. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. Uh, Lord, we thank you that uh, your word, it, it, it fits, it so well fits together. And that when we start to really understand how your word works and how disobedience things and following the things that you've asked of us work and how they play together, especially as it involves the mission, Lord, we, we find that you're, you're, you're pretty great and awesome and, and far more intelligent than sometimes we are in how we just decided to piece together our own finances in our own life and, and get ourselves into difficulties. 
This morning, Lord, I know it's a great struggle. I know, Lord, there may even be folks this morning, but there's been a a frustrated and even angry spirit in their heart as they've listened to this this morning. But Father, I pray that it would have nothing to do with the writings of a sermon or the, 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 uh, the way I tried to articulate. But Lord, it would have everything to do with your spirit speaking to us, teaching us, and leading us to something. Obedience is tough, Lord. And this morning, I want to pray for the one who said yes. Because I believe, Lord, that, that Satan and their enemy will use all kinds of ways to attack this week. All kinds of ways to say, you know, that wasn't a good decision. But this morning, I pray that your hand and your peace and your spirit would go before them. And Lord, I pray for the one this morning that was really impacted by the idea of funding the mission of your kingdom. And Lord, that they would be able to, to know and see where the kingdom has been imp- impacted by their obedience and generosity. Well, thank you for this church and their desire to reach people. And Lord, we put the mission in front of you and our trust in obedience and our generosity we put before you as followers of you. We pray it in your son's name. Amen. Well, this is the end of our Forgotten Way series. Uh, if you missed any, like all of them, they're on, on the web. We, we invite you to spend some time listening to those and get caught up on those. Now, for the next couple of weeks, we're going to be do, doing something a bit different. You're not going to have to come and hear a sermon. So uh, you're going to get to come. Don't you dare. What over there? What is this? What is this? So you're supposed to say no over here. No, it's okay. It's okay. All right. All right. That's contrite. All right. So, um, but we're going to get to hear testimonies over the next couple of weeks. Just testimonies of impact, people that, that surrendered their lives from all different circumstances. It's just going to be a great opportunity to, to hear from those, those people. So I encourage you, come and really hear what the Lord's doing. If you have somebody in your life and you just know, if they could hear the impact that God has made in somebody's life, that, that would make the difference. Great week to invite your friends next week. Great week for them to hear that next week. So sound good? Yeah? Good. All right. Well, we're gonna, we are going to take our, our tithes and offering this morning. We're going to sing one more. So I'm going to invite you to stand with us, and uh, we'll receive that, and we'll sing one more. Are you guys ready? Okay.